And hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Kaiser Bender and Baum podcast, Retail Adventures podcast. It's been so long. I forgot the name of the podcast. <laughs> That's good. And with me, as they are always, George Ann Bender, Rich Kaiser, the stars of the show. Thanks Please. again for joining us. And and joining us today, our special guests, who I guess we should, we've really expanded the Kaiser and Bend, Bender uh, podcast to be uh, the Jeremy, Ian, Jason, Rich, and Georgian podcast. Can we just go with that from now on? Need a massive business card to get all the names of them, like a law firm. With an international flair. That's we right. Are. You can't get anywhere else. It That's truly right. is the Retail Adventures podcast now because it's it's adventures from all over the world, which is pretty cool. There you go. All over the world and New Jersey. And yeah, <laughs> and here, New Jersey. <laughs> uh, hey, we're New Jersey is the home to one of the largest malls in America now. So um, it it was closed for a long time because they launched it at the worst possible time uh, in the history. It was actually being built for 17 years and then they launched it in 2020. So there you go. It's, it's, it's their fault. All right, so it's called it's called the Dream Mall, right? It is the American yeah. Dream Mall. Have you have you been there? Uh, have you been I there? have I have not been inside. They keep pushing us to go. Um, it looks wonderful from the outside. It really does. It's impressive. Is, There's a theme park, a water park. I would not go inside the water park, um, no. but it's uh, it's got everything, a little bit of everything, and some shopping too. So it's Mall of America in Jersey. Yeah, actually, it's the Mall of America. Um, people, um, they built it. And it's okay. larger than the Mall of America now. So Mall of America yeah, is really. I heard one of them say it was the Mall of America on steroids. It's true, it's and it's really it's huge. Mall. It's huge. I remember when Mall of America first came out. Looking at Rich and saying, "Yeah, I'm going to go on vacation to a mall." <laughs> and, then, and then after I visited there, I thought, "I'm going to go on vacation to a mall." Because it does. That's a theme park and a water park, and there's museums in there, and it's aquariums and good shops. So we're we're looking forward to going. You know, in 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 a couple of years, uh, you know, we'll we'll probably venture over there. Just get one of those space helmet, those space <laughs> yeah. helmet masks. Have you guys seen Virtual those? Reality thing. Uh, the no. VR VR mask. Yeah, it's a it's a complete astronaut helmet that goes over your head. Oh. That's user friendly. Yeah. User friendly. <laughs> Here I am. I'm ready to go. Uh, <laughs> virtual. Okay. Uh, when we open up, we have a whole lot to talk about today. So I want to start with talking about vaccines and more importantly, what you guys think about vaccine passports. Jason, start with you. Yeah. So um, first of all, I just wanted to thank everybody for letting me come back to this show because it's been a while since I've been away, went through a lot of personal things. I think I shared that on one of the podcasts that I was going through with my dad. Um, he did end up passing away back in January. It was, um, you know, that was obviously pretty tough. Um, so I just want to say thank you. And I'm really happy to be back. I'm glad I could be in the uh, headspace to be back. I got a new job in the meantime throughout that process. So it's been just a whirlwind. I can't believe it's only been like not even four months. So it's just been crazy. Sorry to hear about your dad. That's yeah. never easy. Yeah. But 
we're glad that you're back and we'll make sure that we schedule this so that Jeremy has to be up at 3 a.m. and that you can be here. (laughs) Sounds good. Thank you, guys. Thank you, guys. (laughs) So vaccines. So actually, as we're recording this this podcast and um, we'll try to be timely when we post it. But uh, this morning, the big news was in the U.S. Johnson and Johnson paused their vaccination. I know AstraZeneca has been paused, restarted several times in the U.K. Here, um, I don't even think AstraZeneca is going to come going to get an emergency authorization in the United States. Um, so with all that said, the rest of the rollout seems to be going OK in the U.S., slower than in the U.K., because you guys are doing something a little different with the uh, one stab, right, where you get. Really? Uh, isn't that what's going on in the UK? <laughs> I, I've had I've had one of the AstraZeneca, and I'm waiting the second one in June. So uh, I'm I'm not sure of the one. So this is one of the few occasions where we're actually organised and ahead of the curve, and we've annoyed the whole of Europe now because we placed our orders while they were still waiting to verify, and now they're turning around and going, "That's not fair," and they're threatening to ban the deliveries from the Dutch oh. manufacturer to the UK, going, "They should be coming to Europe," and it's so funny because part of me is like get stuffed you know we were there first but then i thought we're not going to get on with this until everyone's vaccinated so being being vaccinated you know six months ahead of ahead of everyone else we're just gonna have to still stay in our own little island for six months until everyone catches up but you are ahead and i I mean i read new york times this morning ironically enough had a whole thing about how the u.s was kind of behind in the fact that they we've kept very close to what the study the trials were which in normal circumstances would make sense you get the vaccine and then three weeks later you get the next shot but in in the uk and israel they weren't you're not doing that you're spacing it out so that everybody could try and get as many people with the first dose as possible and the cases have gone like that in the u.s they've kind of started to slowly plateau and then they went up and now they're because the uk variant is actually more prevalent here than in the uk at this point (laughs) Um, so we have that going for it. We always try well, to take something. Don't say from we you never guys. give you anything. <laughs> yeah, we don't know. We're we always have, taking from you. <laughs> and we have all these all these people partying like like it's you know, nineteen ninety nine Miami and some of these other places, and it, it's bound to to go again. Um, Ian, why why is it so many months apart here? It's twenty one days. Um, it's twelve weeks, I think. Here. Um, I think that was the, the I mean, the, the interesting thing is when they were asking, well, how far apart, you know, should it be? And they're going, well, we, that's as quickly as we can get it out and get it to you. You know, the, the time frames and the lead times have been so suppressed because of the rush to get this out. Is they it- don't really know because normally you test to find out what the ideal difference and they're learning as they go along. Yeah. Um, so I'm not sure if that is based around, you know, how quickly we, can we do one cycle for everyone and the start again or whether they think it's the ideal time to space the two jabs apart i'm not sure here you couldn't it, it was an, an, an i got lucky and registered and and got an email right away that said register to get your vaccination so my husband and i both got them it was a nightmare for rich and it's a nightmare for a lot of people here in the chicago area to try and get them mm-hmm. um it's starting to loosen up a little bit but it's been it's been bad yeah, I mean, about half of New Jersey is uh, fully vaccinated at this point. Uh, I think we rank fifth in the nation um, for, I guess, how many per whatever capita um, have been vaccinated. So that's that's pretty good. I'm vaccinated. I was able to get it early because I have a pre-existing condition. Um, but I, my process in going through it um, and then getting my wife vaccinated, too, 
Um, it was hard. It was kind of difficult to get the vaccines when you're eligible. Um, so then I ended up volunteering. And I mean, that's like kind of like a part time job. I had like one monitor dedicated to just like refresh, refresh, yeah. refresh to try yeah. and get appointments for people. Um, and it was just like my own personal motivation you're a good was. Guy. No, I mean, I, you know, look, we always we do it for a reason. You know, mine, mine was I dedicated every vaccination to my dad just because going through loss in the time of COVID, regardless of whether it was a COVID loss or whatever, it's and. I'm sure we've all at some point either lost someone or know someone who lost someone because of the amount of deaths. And it's difficult, regardless of what was caused it, to go through it. So whatever we could do we lost, to get ahead we of lost my We lost my sister's mother-in-law in a New York nursing home, and that's a whole other story. But back to vaccines. Your, <laughs> your, your question, Jason, was about vaccine passports. Yes. Would you be willing to get one? So I am all for this. Um, I think the faster we can get back to normal, the better. And it's also encouraging people to get vaccines. And I looked this up. I like did some research because I wasn't around when, when some of these early, like um, some smallpox and things like that, when they were, um, you know, when, when that was prevalent, what did they do? Well, they had vaccine passports um, or they checked your face. Um, but, uh, you know, so I think that this is it's there's a precedent for it. Um, sports teams are already doing it because they figure the faster they can get people into the stands, whether your vaccine passport, it shows that you're fully vaccinated or you just had a, a negative COVID test within the past 24 hours. I think as long as you can get something that essentially shows that you are not a risk to others is really important. Um, yeah. or, well, what, you know, is the, what is George, what, what, what would you say the upside and downside are of a, uh, vaccinate vaccine passport it, people the downside they're going to say it it you know it's it's taken away their privacy you know too much i'm sure that's it but for me i'm with jason i i want to travel this year we're gonna you know we're starting to book trips and you know knock on wood they actually come to fruition but i want to know that i'm getting on a plane with people who are vaccinated and safe my son's getting married in october and that's, you know, weighing heavily on us. Who's, what's that wedding going to look like? We've booked a, he booked a place that's giant. And I think he, he has less than a hundred people coming. So how they're, you know, I want to know that the people that are in that room are okay to be around. You know, we still have babies and grandbabies and kids. And I don't know, Jeremy, what do you think? You look philosophical, I, Jeremy. <laughs> um, because I'm not sure you guys heard, um, I think two days ago, um, there was actually a case of an infection uh, in Singapore, and this person has been fully vaccinated. The point here, here is, yeah, so in vaccination, the US. yeah, so vaccination does not absolve you from, it does not make you invincible to this, you can still be infected. Um, so that's one thing. Um, the other thing is, I think um, Singapore's moving really fast. Uh, I'm, I'm the kind of the wait and see person. So uh, by, by, by June, anyone who is, um, I think the age group, because we go by the elderly first, so I'm already within the age bracket, which I can submit a request to get a date to get the, the vaccination, but I've not done so. I'm just going to be waiting and seeing. Uh, but come 1st June, I believe um, the age bracket, I think anyone under 40 will be able to uh, book a date to get vaccinated. So things are moving quite fast. I just checked. I think since um, 6 April has been a, a million, a million point two 
out of uh, you know six million something Singaporeans uh, have been vaccinated. Uh, the numbers give and take. Uh, but I think very critically for a small economy like Singapore, we need all the you know influx of tourists to help retail boost tourism and all the other business things because we're just a small little dot, you know, small island. We we need all these activities to come back in real fast. Otherwise, yeah, it's anyone's guess, right? Um, we need things to get back to normal as soon as possible. I agree with that. Yeah. I talked to know, a... If you talk about the passport, here, I got one. Right here. <laughs> See this little card? Do not this show that card. card on camera. Here's the thing. <laughs> There's guys in Chicago now that are selling printing it. them and selling them. <laughs> so people say, oh yeah, here's mine. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? If that's that simple, what's well, I mean, I, I go to NYU. I go to NYU, and actually, they um, you have a vaccine passport through NYU, and I just had um, surgery last week, and I got to use this for the first time. Where um, you upload your vaccination card, they review it. They have to like they look up the lot number, make sure that it's an actual um, that it actually can correspond with the fact that it's your name, your birthday, all those things. They verify it, and then it's it's loaded into your medical it's like a profile. License. It's kind of like a driver's license. Yeah. And then when I went to my surgery, I didn't have to get a test. Um, I was able to just go through the system just like I would in a normal circumstance. And it was actually fantastic. Do you yeah, get your I mean, eyes I, that's, I, I've used mine once in the hospital uh, to get in, actually. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, there, 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 are, like, there are talks. There are talks in, um, I think they're reviewing it. So in Singapore, if you have been, have been vaccinated, um, when things open up, you could possibly go into, let's say, uh, you know, a music concert that's like, you know, hundreds of people and you don't have to get checked or something like that. So there are some of these advantages slowly popping up. And there's one uh, I've yet to verify, but I heard uh, rumors about that. It's uh, if you take if you take the uh, the Sino, um, Sino vaccine, the one from China, if you take that shot, uh, specifically the one from China. And if you travel into China, apparently, as what I heard, I'm, I've not verified it, apparently you do not have to uh, be quarantined, but oh, really? only specific to that strain. Okay? That's taking nationalism to the extreme. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have well, to... I'm not... Okay, I'm not sure if... I've not been able to verify, but I heard rumors of, of that. Yeah. You don't have to quarantine here. Yeah. If you've been vaccinated, vaccination, you could travel to another no, state. No, no, but but if you but if you took like Pfizer and you try to go to um, China, sorry, vaccine, you you you, uh, you have to yeah you have to be quarantined. Okay, so <laughs> so so retail wise, we want this to kick in so that we can get people back into stores and feeling well, more comfortable. And I think it like I don't know. Did are you guys have you watched the show Breaking Bad? In Breaking Bad, there's a really famous yeah. line: "No half measures," right? And I think this, this <laughs> I think it's about time that. Everybody kind of approached this at this point. I mean, we're a year and and you know six weeks into this. Let's there shouldn't be or more actually, depending whether you are obviously with China. You know, a few more months. Um, can we stop like the half measures? Like if if the vaccines prove effective, and I realize you know there's a, a you know few people have gotten it, but you know ninety percent. Um, of people who have been vaccinated don't get it. Okay, that's much better. Now the, we're just playing with odds at this point, and mm -hmm. the odds are in our favor. You know, if you if you get vaccinated, so I think mm -hmm. at this point, um, you know, they make you get vaccinated here in the school system for certain things. You have to get boosters. You have to get 
um, you know, the measles vaccines, yeah. you know, things like that. Yeah. At this point, right. COVID, I know it's emergency youth authorization, so they can't really do that yet. But in order to open up society, sometimes you have to do drastic things. And, and I think we've right. all kind of reached our, bo our boiling point. I know I have. I want to get back to normal. I can't take it anymore. Um, yeah, and they're, they're it's also, proving safe and effective, and we need to do it. They're also not sure how long it's going to last. It could be three months, could be six months, could be a year, but that's a whole. Well, there's, there's talk of potentially having an annual COVID jab like you have a flu jab. Yeah. I mean, I, I stupidly got involved in a LinkedIn argument a couple of days ago with some guy who posted about, oh, it's, this lady's had the virus and now she's she's got, you know, caught COVID. Uh, and one of my connections uh, got quite short and quite sarcastic with him. And he was getting agitated. Well, what's the point of doing this? And I think, in, well, in the UK, you know, six months ago, we were having a thousand deaths a day. And two days ago, I think it was 49. Exactly. You know, you have that, was it the R number, whether you're plus or minus one, which de determines whether the numbers go up or down. If 40, 60, 70 percent of people are cured, it tips the R number back into right. negative and you have that accumulative effect. Nova, and I actually did some research before I started arguing with this guy on LinkedIn. All of the flu jabs in the history of flu jabs, on average, are 40 percent effective. And no one criticizes. The problem we have with COVID is everyone's panicking, everyone is reading, and you've got the press diving into micro elements of the development and, and passing judgment without stepping back and letting the experts get on and finish their job. You know, well, anyone yeah, who's been in yeah, a creative but, process, it's when you're halfway through designing and someone comes in and go, oh, that's the wrong colour, that needs to move there. You want to turn around and punch them in the face and go, wait <laughs> until I finish. Yeah. And we and our media are delving in and interfering and passing judgment in absolute ignorance of a process that right. they think is newsworthy. And one, it scares everyone to death. And secondly, they interfere and then you have the experts stopping developing a valid vaccine to justify to the media why they're talking absolute rubbish. And Bean, this is you're one of the so problems right. we always have. We and always so have right. this. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, today is a great example of that. Today is a great example here in the US with Johnson & Johnson. And you guys went through it with AstraZeneca. There is a yeah. PR war going on right now. And for Johnson & Johnson, there have been six instances of blood clots so far to date out of seven million administered yeah. shots six out of seven million yeah. and only one death so a one in seven million chance thus far that we know of chance of death from blood clots from a, from a vaccine that seems to be effective i mean what are the odds of getting COVID right now i would imagine much higher so i mean it is it's a pr war at this point yeah yeah so Jeremy, like a little bit of knowledge to get in the way of a good solution. That's yeah. Yeah. So Jeremy. Yeah. I'm sorry, Jeremy. How you doing? <laughs> I'm good. Yes. Ian, here's a yeah. segue. Ian, so the, the non-essential stores, yes. you got that, that refurb your wife comment in my head, that not that your non-essential stores are reopening on the 12th. So everything is, is yesterday. Closed. Yes. No, are no, you... no. They opened yesterday. Today's the 13th, Georgian. Okay. So they reopened. Did you go? Yes. I went to my local town and tomorrow I'm going to London. And um, I, I went to one retail park on the edge of one average size city. Um, and what I saw was dreadful. Um, 
purely because some of the most basic elements of retail were not being done. Uh, anyone who's interested and connected with me on LinkedIn, you'll see the report in the next couple of days. But, you know, you, you turned up and there were like light boxes, you know, big illuminated frames with stretch graphics and these full window with no graphics in. You know, there I counted one electrical retailer, 12 screens and monitors that were blank or please add content or press to reset. You know, it was absolutely appalling. Uh, there were entrance mats covered in chewing gum. You know, there were windows with graphics falling down. And this is this is not even about good retail. This is about just general housekeeping. Yeah. You know, I found some of the most appalling posts. There was one store that said, welcome back, baby. And that shop was closed. You couldn't actually get in. The door was <laughs> locked, you know. And so, I mean, this is not definitive. I've seen I've seen on LinkedIn some great examples of how retailers done well but in leicester in foss park the retail park which just had a multi-million pound redevelopment it was bloody awful um, do you think they're they're just giving up it's too much they don't know what's going to happen next uh, what, what do you think a few people have said to me one of the issues is they were pulling the staff back from furlough literally a day or two before the store opened uh, because government's paying furlough so we'll let the government carry on paying their wages until the last minute I don't know. This is this is hearsay. But if that's the case, they maybe should have got them back in a little bit earlier. But graphics not being in frames and content not being on the screen is not store staff issue. That's head office issue. Yeah, you know, yeah. that's people not signing things off. And anyone who's worked in the creative world knows how eminently frustrating it is because you have a schedule to get things done. And then you have to factor in client approval, which is the biggest issue, the most unknown quantity and is guaranteed to hit at the 11th hour. And some companies haven't done it. You know, we, we I was walking around with three other people and we were going, we've known for about six weeks that April the 12th is coming. Why is this not ready, you know? And I, and I was astonished, you know, and some of these were brand new stores in a new development. It's not like it's an old store where stuff fell down when they shut the doors three months ago and they've only just opened the door again. So, so I'm hoping there'll be more. And the problem was, is trying to see beyond that, you know, this big electrical retail, there was, everything was just messy um you know things weren't laid out neatly you know for the first time ever i saw a dyson display and it was difficult to understand what the mm. features and benefits were because dyson are world champions at simple clarity of features right. and benefits so right. I, I was i was underwhelmed but i want to reserve judgment because it was one retail part i'm going to oxford street in london tomorrow and if they can't get it right either then we doomed, you know. I thought if I can go from an average city retail park to the the biggest, most famous shopping street in Europe, yeah, you know, somewhere in between, we should we should see some good stuff, and that's what I'm hoping. You, you know, know there's a there's a residual effect. You know, uh, Jason, you said you've had it. You want to get out. You want to go do stuff. You want to walk in stores or whatever. You know, in stores who I think are still in a dizzy mode, and and that's management's issue. But those stores that have not taken the aggressive approach to the store presentation and the and, and the spirit of the store, you know what? These people are coming out and they're excited and they're back out again. They walk inside the front door and they see a bunch of shit. They just want to turn around and walk out. And it's the worst thing can do. And I'll give you a perfect example. I walked into a, 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 a discount store we all know. And it was horrible. I mean, the fixtures were half filled in the, in all the apparel areas, half filled. I mean, so, you know, and I said, are you guys closing? 
and I and I knew they weren't, but I wanted to start the conversation. Why why do you think that, Rich? And I said, Well, where's the inventory? And they said, Well, it's coming in. They said, So am I. And when I come in and I see fixtures like this, I'm walking out. And it, and they looked at me and said, So what would you do? And I said, You know what? Just take the people you have, if they can pick up six pieces on a hanger, have them consolidate the store, fill it up, make it look like it's alive, not a dead place. But I think some, I think not some, a lot of retailers are in stun mode. They still don't know what they need to do. And on an audit, when we ask them about social media channels and where they are, they're not. And, and you know what? I think that there is going to be a fallout of retailers because landlords are on almost demanded. They look like hell. Yeah. And, I think, and, I, I think, and I hate to say it that way. There's others that are doing a marvelous job. Yeah. But you know what? I I I don't know. I must but magnetically I'm pulled to those who are really messing up because I think yeah. that it energizes me to go out to the other people and go, no, don't do this. I've seen this and this. Do it this way, you know, and, and put the merchandise up in front. And, and George Ann's favorite favorite uh, lesson to everybody is make that speed bump when they walk in, sell the entire place like it's a bonanza and you just won the lottery. Yeah. I don't know. I think we're being too hard on them. They've had 16 months to prepare. <laughs> exactly. I mean, I'm like, Strike you know, we're opening the stores. People are, are, are deciding to put down their Amazon Prime account come out and have a look, put their masks on, wander around all day. You come into the store, you're reassured because there's all the safety protocols there and you walk in and you're given this underwhelming experience. And yeah. I, I've been saying this for ages, you know, you can't, it's not just about putting the COVID signs and counting and having your traffic light system entry. That's, that's baseline now. Give them a bloody good reason to come in the shop and come out and go, wow, I'm going to go back there again and, and I'm going to tell my friends about it. And I've had plenty of time to do this. But instead, it looks like the staff have been on furlough. Uh, they're batting down the hatches, minimise the costs, and then they're rushing to reopen at the last minute. Again, I'm guessing. You know, but this, this inviting somebody for a cold drink. Come in and get a cold drink. And then you walk yeah. in and they say, we don't have any water. The stores that I have visited, there have been tons of them, after they were closed, they there were a handful that looked really bad. Just, you know, you could tell that they had been filling orders from the sales floor and there was, you know, boxes and crap everywhere. But the other ones fell into two categories. I remember Nordstrom didn't have enough merchandise to fill the sales floor. So they did what Rich talked about. They you know, they had these big empty areas of the store and they'd either be empty or they'd put a lounge or something in there. And you understood that that's what it was. They, they didn't have merchandise to fill it. They had consolidated. And the other ones were the retailers who were so excited to get you back into their store that when you walked in, it was gorgeous. Beautiful setup. You know, and I, 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 th I think a lot of them are still struggling with getting shipments. But here now, after being open for, I don't know, five, six months, it's pretty much back to normal. Some empty spaces, but pretty much back to business as usual. Yeah, it's kind of like the same here. Yeah. Yeah. People are starting to forget, and it's just a mask, and everything's back to normal. Yeah. yeah. Well, the, the I think pictures... it was just a real energy drain that a lot of people have just la la lazily gotten into that mode that have, have a hard time getting out of the app. Yeah. The pictures That's you what I think, really. The pictures you showed, Jeremy, were always beautiful stores ready to go. Thank you. 
don't know. Jeremy, you want I, to talk? I didn't post anything like that yesterday. I, I posted <laughs> yeah, I saw your post, yeah. and empty windows and hanging bits of paper, I'm afraid. But I must admit, I mean, tomorrow when I go to Oxford Street, I mean, Oxford Street is is a, a street that I've had strong views about for a while. There have been two conversations about pedestrianising it over the years. Uh, I did learn from someone who sits on the council that decides that it's the very rich, influential people that live in the streets behind Oxford Street that block that purely because the traffic that goes along Oxford Street will be redirected into the side streets. Uh, and you get to realise how powerful the people are that live in that area because everyone wanted to pedestrianise Oxford Street apart from the people that lived off it. And it's not happening. But there is massive development. They're already um, widening the sidewalks. So and planting trees, creating little pocket parks and outdoor areas. They were hoping to have it ready for this week, but it's not quite ready yet. But you've got um, the, one of the biggest department stores, which was Debenhams, which closed down recently. Their store is 370,000 square feet, and they're looking at converting that into an arts and community centre. Uh, they're already stripping wow. it out, and, and it's one of the, one of the biggest... Um, opportunities that they're looking at for the store so it may well happen we've got big retailers like marks and spencers and john lewis they're looking to convert part of their stores into apartments um, and then there's a fascinating development right at one end on on the uh, east side of uh, oxford street called outernet and it's like a whole block that this uh, entrepreneur bought about 10 years ago you imagine buying a whole block of oxford street and they're just sitting on it. But um, but he's building this amazing experiential space. I'm not sure if you've seen those videos coming from Asia with the uh, two wall video screens with like the Starship Enterprise. Oh, the 3D out. stuff. Yeah, 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 the 3D stuff. Yeah. Well, this is yeah. going to be the third version of that screen technology in the world. So that's going mm. in. There's an underground events venue there's two pop-up spaces there's a hotel there's a bar there's a restaurant there's a wonderful old street called denmark street which back in the you know the swinging 60s it had loads of funky music stores they've refurbished it and given preferential leasing deals to music stores so that whole street is being refurbished and this is all opening wow. in october wow. you know and you're thinking wow, wow th this is all going to happen in the next six months it's not talking about it. it's actually happening. So we're hoping to see all this amazing development. Oh, and we're also building a 25 metre high fake hill, which is apparently going to fix retail. Um, I'm still not <laughs> convinced. It will drive a bit of footfall on social media, but they're building at one end, just the other side of Selfridges behind Marble Arch. And what will um, it do? It's just a hill? It's a big hill. I think there'll be some display inside. But yeah, you walk up the hill and you post your picture on Instagram. Hopefully you then walk down Oxford Street and spend a shitload of money on on clothes before you leave. I mean, you'll get a fabulous view of the street from where it is. Um, so I'm, I can see the problem is they have a hundred and fifty million pound <laughs> budget, which is what? Just over two hundred million dollars to do this to and you can imagine this sits there in the meter going let's build a hill for first thing let's <laughs> build a hill you know what this this needs a little bit more of a hill yeah see we we build I mean, roller coasters and water go, parks for I'm ours gonna visit and i'm gonna walk up it myself you know you go, if, it's there, if it's there you'll walk up it you know can you go in the hill or is it just yeah, to walk up and take a stupid picture you, there is the the, the the visual artist impressions look like there's something you can walk into underneath. I mean, see, it's easy. I mean, it may turn out to be a good, you know, driver of footfall, but I was sitting there thinking, right, we've got to fix retail. Where does the hill come as the first thing that's ticked off? <laughs> we need a little more hill. 
Yeah. So if, we'll and, if see. and if it's there to attract people to take their selfies to post on Instagram, they're only going to do that once. Yes, they, they think 200,000 people will visit it this year. And then my first thought was, I don't want 200,000 people on that hill. We're we supposed to be socially distancing. But, but that's just me being very negative. Well, about I it. can't wait to hear how that works out. But, but there's some nice, but what I like when you look at the retail bit, you know, I, I've been saying for a while, I think the high street is going to be a mix of accommodation, entertainment, food. I mean, the only food facilities along Oxford Street are McDonald's at the moment. Everything else is off the street. So Admiral Foods, a massive arts and community centre, you know, and then this this Outernet thing at the end. And then you've got the wonderful Souk brand. I'm sure I've mentioned them before, where it's like a pop-up space, but you can rent by the hour. So you, you don't rent it for a week. You can rent it for Tuesday mornings. Uh, and they open on Oxford Street as well. I think that's a fabulous idea so, as well. So, Ian, the question is, what are they going to call the hill? Notting Hill or Nothing Hill? <laughs> I think it's Marble Arch Hill, I think, because it's right by Marble Arch. It's, it's Big Hill. Arch right, right. <laughs> yeah, I'm, not sure. be interesting. I'm, sh I'm sure social media will come up with its own name. Come for the shop, stay for the hill. Yes, exactly. So, <laughs> was, I mean, I, I made my words. It may be a roaring success, but but I just I love the irony that that was the first thing that got signed off. Uh, I just it's like so funny because there's so many gimmicks, right? Like, well, I shouldn't you say gimmicks, no, I, but they I, are like you know for for retail space, like the forum shops and like um, here with the American the, Dream, the, ves the, the vessel, the yeah. vessel. Yeah, but for, but for you guys, it's going to be a giant the hill. Vessel's not doing too well, <laughs> is it? But it's, but it's the same but it's the same concept right you build an architecture that people are going to go there and take pictures i mean for me the the the, the what we have the the rain vortex in the, the jewel at the changi airport you know with the big you know water flowing down i've been yeah. back there because i'm i'm live quite near to it so i've been back there i don't know five six times already with my family so yeah maybe it does draw crowds back who knows yeah. so like I say, it may actually contribute. And, and to be yeah. fair, there's a lot of stuff happening actually along the street as well, which is great. So it's not in isolation. I'd have ripped into mm. that and said, what an utter waste of money. But they're already, you know, widening the sidewalks and planting trees right now. So it's part of a bigger program. And, and Paris are doing the same. The Champs-Élysées, they're mm. apparently a lot of the locals have been complaining because they have all the, the luxury and premium brands there and the locals feel disconnected. So again, they're, they're spending 250, 300 million euros. Again, trees widening the pavements. I, I was there just over a year ago and, and it is fabulous, fabulous boulevard. It's absolutely We don't gorgeous. have anything like that around here with funky. We have malls. We have malls. Outlet malls. <laughs> I, I have a trip scheduled to the UK in December, Ian. So you're going to have to send me a link. A list to all these places I need to go see. Definitely, we'll meet up. We'll, we'll, I mean, it depends how much free time you have, but I'd love to do a bit of a retail safari with you. We'll do a... That'd be fun. We'll, we'll do our only meet, little impromptu podcast and... Uh, meet on the hill. Meet on the hill. Yeah, we'll meet on the hill. <laughs> we'll there you go, the That's we, the new we, name we of the podcast. A little, a little podcast from can the you, hill. There you go. Can you can you imagine that, though? You, you, get the, I, you get this giant hill built. And kids start pushing their brothers and sisters off the side. <laughs> only you. Only you would think that. But well, that I, probably will I have, happen. I have children. And did, did you and say I, I know what they if, do. If, if you're on it, you're looking down the street, down on the street. Yeah. You'd be able to look right down Oxford Street from there. I think so that's brilliant. I think you're going to see people just, you're going to see people going and just sitting down. 
Yeah. Just, just, I'm yeah. my words. The problem is this podcast. This podcast will be there with me slagging it off, and then I'm going to be on LinkedIn in three months' time, raving about how amazing the hill is, and you lot are going to remind me of the U-turn yeah, I've, I've committed. Just remember, just remember, don't don't go over the hill. Yeah, <laughs> I'm already <laughs> over the hill, Jeremy. <laughs> don't go. Over truly, I mean, if you're doing things that make people want to come just to come. And it's, it doesn't going to, you know, it's not going to cost a penny. It's going to be a lot of people, I think, that will be intrigued it by it. But it will. It'll create, yeah. it'll create interest. And, and if yeah. they've got this development of Oxford Street, which I'm hoping to see tomorrow, if they've got that right, you know, people who maybe haven't come, to, you know, a lot of people in the UK, they, they visit London when their kids on a school trip and sometimes they never go back again. You know, it's like, yeah, we've done that tick, you know, so an opportunity to come back again, there can be an element of surprise and delight going, oh, this is you different. Know, Let's go and have a look. You know what it reminds me of? Oh, we have hills all over. I got, I'm looking out my back window. We got a big hill back there, right? Okay, so I can go visit a hill. It reminds me of those bars they used to have in Las Vegas that were they were like 50 below, something like that. And you'd go in and they'd give you a fur coat and a fur hat. And you go into this room that is so far all below ice. freezing all you, ice it's everything oh, is, they do they have them in iceland don't they yeah ice bars the whole the thing glass, all the furniture yeah, ice hotel the yeah. glasses are ice and i you know what i looked at rich as we were walking by and i said i'm not paying 30 bucks to go in there i could sit in my backyard <laughs> in the middle of winter. you're losing you're losing the point george ann it's like having a hill in the middle of central london is unusual like you know that the is, countryside that cool. Penny, it's cool <laughs> context irrelevance that's what it's the experience <laughs> and George Ann's first words when she sees it with you is, why can't we have this? Yeah, I can yes. hear her now. Yeah, both George Ann and I will be just backtracking when we're there again. This is amazing. Why haven't we done this before? It'll probably be something like, what the FARP is that? <laughs> I'm going to well, bookmark this so that we can actually yeah. play it back on the yeah, in one you. year's time. Oh, we'll see where we're at. God. <laughs> Jeremy, you wanted to talk about uh, legacy leasing models. Yeah, so so there's this. Um, I think this is going to be a little bit re relevant. Um, I think okay, it's it's kind of like twofold, right? Um, with all this whole pandemic and um, digitalization, um, online, offline. I think now the real argument is what what counts as a sale, um, and that's in in terms of the physical store sale, right? Transaction, and that's important because um, with this whole pandemic, we realize that you know landlords and tenants that relationship is the entire whole uh, retail ecosystem right so the survival of the landlord is dependent on the tenant and vice versa right so uh you you've seen that in in hong kong whereby um a lot of the uh, retailers they sort of boycotted against the landlords because uh yeah they're still charging uh rental there's no discount and and part of the complaint is that um, the government's incentive didn't flow down. But okay, but that's all besides the point. Um, there has been legacy um, rental models um, and Singapore is really looking at that, whereby in Singapore's case, you have the rental of the store dependent on one of two, whichever is higher, okay? It could be a situation whereby you pay a fixed amount for the area, uh, for, the, for the space, and then there's a component of, there's a variable, based on your sales for that month, okay? Either that or you you, you pay uh, just a, a flat out fee for the space you rent. So whichever is higher. So in any case, the landlord wins, right? So what's happening in Singapore is that um, I think they're reviewing, you can only have one agreement, not 
both of them and the higher one uh, that the not takes. So uh, they're, looking, they're looking into that. But consider this, uh, I think it's, it's kind of similar in the US whereby there's this variable sales component, right? So when that happens, uh, how are we going to charge the rental if all the sales are going more on, you know, buy online, pick up in store or online transactions? How do you account for that element? Because um, if it's not going to be transacted in the store, um, your landlord will not get that, you know, thing on the POS data, which means they cannot charge that variable <laughs> amount in terms of rent, right? So that's how I'm framing the question. I think it's going to be an interesting discussion because this is all exposed because of the pandemic, right? And this whole digital um, journey. So, I mean, what, what are you guys take on that? Well, I, I was reading about, I can't remember if someone in Europe or America had said the same where it was the, the deal was just percentage of sale. So there was no yeah. fixed element. It was just, and then the landlord said, but I want a percentage of your online uh, because yeah. your, do you count your, that? Store, yeah. your store will drive activity to your website. So I want a percentage of that as well. And, and the problem is that people are looking around going, how do you measure it you know yeah and, and and then you may end up with just a flat fee of that and then you have someone else come along going well i've not got a website but i'm only on facebook and the next person goes well i'm only on instagram you know so how do you do do you introduce a generic standard fixed rate for social media and online presence um or you know but then the problem is you'll have you'll have some products and categories where there's a higher online element and the store may be a little showpiece and then another category where it's 90% in the store and you get a nominal of it online, it's going to be really difficult. But there's a lot of issues because yeah. the other issue we're having here is, is obviously you, you you get taxed by the government. It's called rates, business rates on property. So it's a property on the right. tax. Uh, it's yep. a tax on the property. But online retailers don't. And then you have other online re retailers like Amazon that cook the books so they pay virtually no tax here. And Facebook were the same. So there's a lot of annoyance that the online side doesn't face the same level of taxation. So mm. there's a huge imbalance here and there's no, no known answer at the moment, but it's something that's coming to a head, certainly. It has, it has to be resolved somehow, right? Because yeah. landlords will, 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 they are being, they're not making as much as they can. If, they're if feeling the thing, pinch. Exactly. And I think that's like, kind of like the first time they, they really uh, you know, lose control and they don't have the, the measurement of the numbers. Uh, to charge what they feel they should be getting, right? So, uh, yeah. You know, so this, I, this, oh, yeah, Rich, go ahead. I've worked with a lot of landlords and lease deals. And one of the things that I see coming up now uh, because of the, the, you know, the shipment out of the back door, so to speak, not on the floor, that many landlords here are starting to look at uh, percentage rents and how it runs is it's, They'll, they'll take, I'll pull numbers out of the air. 5% of all your sales on inside this store, those would be tallied and I want 5% of those. If it's a credit card transaction, I'll give you a percent and a half back or whatever that fee would be so that the retailer won't take a dip in the amount of money he can make initial margin. Yeah. Um, and then we know that all the retailers here have to report sales, regardless of how they get it out of the store. Um, that's going to be the one thing that the landlords have to figure out. How do we get that information as well from the retail? It wouldn't be really hard to get it, I don't think. But, but the fact that a matter is nobody wants to take a bet on $17 a square foot 
because I don't know how good you are and I don't know what's happening with this with this internet that you guys and ladies are shipping out all this stuff. But here's what yeah. I'll do. This is the number I want. Tell me what your sales yeah. volume is going to be so we can talk about it. I'm going to have a minimum rent for this store. And then after that rent, I want 4% of or 3% or 2% of uh, and adjusted for credit sales and discounts you give away. But I, I think that's what's starting to happen. I mean, I'm hearing a lot of that because the, the, the unfairness, I'm quoting a, a landlord I know, the unfairness of the fact that he can have that building and ship out a million dollars a year without having to literally, if you think about it, pay a cost of rental with the exception of maybe storage space. But the guy mm -hmm. said, but I'm not a warehouse. I'm a retail store property owner and it should be uh, productive. So yeah, it's, that's really tough. But at the same time, my argument is if somebody says, okay, I've got all this stuff, I'm gonna sell it on the sidewalk and they sell it on the sidewalk being right or wrong, I gotta tell you, I think a lot of retailers take that money and put it in other places without ringing all of it up. So, I mean, if a retailer wants to jam a landlord, you got a bad relationship, shouldn't have happened. But, but those are the kind of things that I think we're gonna see because landlords will attack, rightfully so. I mean, they're maintaining everything in that building. Uh, they'll, they'll try to attack different channels somehow, some way. And, and I guess sales, sales tax, it's going to be the way they're going to figure it out. Yeah. I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't know much about the subject, but I will just say just from hearing it out, I don't, there, uh, and maybe this is wrong, but I don't see uh, uh, a landlord as an investor in my business. You know, I, I have a relationship with them where I'm paying for space. That's the relationship between, to me, between a landlord and someone who's renting and yeah, I think, everything else is mine. I think, I think you're right. But see, here's what the landlord's looking at. He says, okay, you could put a hundred thousand dollars worth of inventory in this store two years ago. And I, and, and it's worth this much to you to rent this space. But now the, the retailers have the option that they can take 30,000 or $20,000 of all those numbers that they used to and ship them out the back door. And a retailer says, well, why would I have to pay for that? It gets real clouded, I think. I think, I think it's really a clouded. I think situation. there's so many factors, of it, like with flexible warehousing becoming so popular right now and short-term leases and things like that. I think it all impacts it. And I'm sorry, but that just drives, maybe that drives down the value of, or, or maybe value is not the right word, but but maybe it just needs to be, the relationship needs to be re-examined because how these retailers are doing business is different. Just, what do you guys? I, I'm I'm seeing a lot of percentage rental leases right now. Yes, I, and that, I think that. that's. I agree with you, Jeremy. You you you're paying to access space. What I do in that space, Mr. Landlord, with all due respect, none of your business. You know, as long as I'm not damaging the property, how I sell, how much I sell, what I sell, is my concern. I you know, it's a commodity exchange. You give me space, I'm paying you money for it. It's when the model shifts to this, the percentage of sales. And, and that's been happening in Soho in Manhattan. You know, luxury brands are now getting deals where it's based on percentage of sales. So the idea is the landlord shares the pain with you. And that's only because the landlords are desperate to fill the space so they're more flexible. Or you've got easier exit from the agreements and things. But the moment it's percentage of sale, then it gets grey because it's like, well, what sales are we talking about? Because your, your shop, everyone who comes in and 
buys a product in the shop and walks out, fair enough. But what about the online sales? Because this shop, and it's been proven that a physical shop helps drive traffic to a website. So they're going, this shop, if we're basing it on sales, also part of that online sale. That's when it becomes a grey area because (laughs) the mode of valuing the use of that space is based on sales, not on square foot like it's always yeah. they should go after the GoDaddy account then not my uh not my store <laughs> what do you guys think there's been a lot of talk about how we're going to have dark stores and malls and they're going to be used yeah in centers and fulfillment centers yeah you know, well, you, the, the problem is is the classic anchor stores that you have in malls you know where you get two or three of these huge brands and they're normally department stores they're not right. around anymore and they don't want that space so well, what what do, what are you going to do with those spaces? You know, dark stores are obvious. Amazon are talking about fulfillment centers, aren't they? Yeah, Distribution yes. centers, uh, or you have these arts and community things. One I love reading about is um, the um, farming, where you're actually growing fresh produce in those spaces. I think that's fun. Yeah. We've got everything from old air raid shelters through to disused car parks in yeah. the uk yeah. that are being right. converted into city center farming let's jason look at it. let's look at it from the consumer perspective because that's what rich and i do yeah. i'm going shopping at the mall because i want to go shopping and i want to see stores i don't want to see every other store dark because there's people in there pulling you know pulling goods out of it i get the i get the department stores i get that there are malls that are that are empty but strictly from a consumer perspective that's not enhancing the experience for the consumer yeah yeah but those same malls now have experience you're going for the experiences like the theme park that they built in this giant mall next to me they're not really i mean people are going to go shop but it's about 30 percent retail and 70 percent experience that's it's different. a full day destination and shopping oh. is part of that full day that's they want different. you to turn up at 9 a.m and leave at 11 at night and so they're offering you everything you right. can do shopping that's, is part of that now it's not all of it that's yeah. universal studios with better stores but <laughs> yeah. that's not what the average consumer is going to experience when they go to their local mall when yeah. they go to their local mall we have two we have two malls that are not too far from my house one is a a b-level mall it's lost it lost sears it lost macy's and it lost carson perry scott so there's these three giant buildings with nothing to put in there there's a mall down the street from the from the rich and i um where we have our office in st charles illinois last time i checked there was Hmm. a lens crafters in there and an outbuilding that's a von mark the rest of it is empty then there's a mall an a mall not too far from where i live woodfield mall that took the empty spaces and instead of the retailers where they have the cardboard signs, they make themselves, you know, the, the foam letters, their empty spaces actually look like beautiful chain stores. So I think about that mall and I think about the experience of, of there might be two stores in that mall right now that are vacant. The rest are full. But I think about that. If I'm shopping in that mall and every fourth store is a dark store for fulfillment for something, that's totally ruined the experience of that mall. The but one who's, who's going to take over the spaces, though? You know, the, the problem you've know. got here is those 100,000 square feet, you know, anchor stores. Who the hell wants that much space now? So it's like, what, what do you do? We're in this horrible transition where yeah. we have overcapacity for physical store space. Rich so now landlords are, are so giving apartments. space away 
at bargain prices to get something out of Anything. that facility. Those are weak retail. I mean, for yeah. the vast majority, and I hate to say it that way, but if I can get in for two and a half dollars a square foot, that was eleven and a half dollars uh, six months ago. I don't have to be a real good retailer to 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 make some money on my. Investment. So wait a second. Yeah. So Rich thinks the mall down the street from our office, and it's a gorgeous mall. It's got two stores in it. This is. Fun, I think this is brilliant. Fact, fun fact: My brother-in-law was the uh, civil engineer on it. So my sister met him, but this mall completely empty except for one anchor one anchor store that's it's connected to the mall rich thinks it should be it should be apartments it would be cool a senior center uh, 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 you know it would be easy to do i think it's escalator you would have restaurants inside you would have a, a rotunda that would be incredible with fountains and the outside three quarters of the outside is landscape all grass and hills you could put a three a par three golf course nine hole golf course on it that could be wonderful right now it's sitting on its fifth year of nothing of empty uh, yeah and, and at some point somebody's got to say we got to do something with this i think it would be a great idea what's the, what is the state That's... of housing sorry you you go in jason you've been trying to speak yeah, for jason, yeah no i just i just want to add to it because living in a in a we are the most densely populated state um, in the United States, there are 9 million people in New Jersey, um, and there are 1 million in my county, and there, uh, and in Bergen County, New Jersey, and just right here in the area of Paramus, New Jersey, there are five major malls, most of which are upscale malls, um, just based on the, the clientele that lives here, because it's so expensive. Now... Um, and there was an obvious push for a long time, you know, since the, the late 70s, early 80s for building up malls. And these malls have grown exponentially since that time. And now with a brand new one, 17 years in the making, that's eclipsed them all in one, which is crazy. We don't need malls. And people stop going to malls. And so there's just a ton of empty space now in these malls. And so what these malls, the very upscale one, actually ripped out almost half of its upstairs to be just experiential um they put in giant movie theaters where you can or you know the, the the amcs that are almost out now out of business right where you can mm -hmm. get food delivered to you there's like bars there's um really upscale restaurants most of it is restaurants most of it is movie theaters those types of things because there's no stores coming in and in those empty spaces it's exactly what you're talking about georgian it is i'm gonna go you know maybe four stores and then there's nothing and then nothing. four more stores and there's nothing or an experience but they they've done it well where they put up like um my daughter who's three and a half loves to play with them they like put the giant sequin wall i don't know if you've seen them and they can yeah, those are fun. You know, or... one of those at camp in hudson yards mm -hmm. so things like that to make sure that there's still something there and it's not just yeah. this big blank coming soon space um, but yeah, I mean, I agree with you, Ian. If there, if the space isn't going to be filled, and we can fill it with something else, and it's driving something else, which is consumer demand. People want. We've gotten too used to it now, especially with the pandemic. We expect expect things to be fulfilled right away. 
We're, we're a last minute society. We've gotten worse at it. We expect everything at our doorstep. I can order, you know, I can, I, I want a beer. I'm going to order it and it'll be here at my door in 30 minutes. Thanks to Drizzly. There's a company in London that <laughs> just launched 10 minute grocery delivery. Yeah. Or for the next three months, you get your deliveries for free. There you go. Oh, oh, there you go. God. In London, yeah. with you can get your groceries faster than a slice of pizza. Yeah. <laughs> I, want, I want to sign up oh. so I can get the three months free because yeah. I've been in <laughs> London traffic short, short of drones or time travel. <laughs> there's no way. You, I mean, I, I think the catchment area is, I think, about 100 feet from the store, maybe, but that's probably the only way they can do it. Incredible. Can even, I, I, can, I can watch you. Just I, I could just watch you like with your watch, like, okay, yeah. 30 seconds. Yeah. And they're going to show up at 20. They ring the bell and you don't answer the bell for. 30 seconds so it flips over you know, to jason minutes. and jason and rich have you and this is a stupid question for you kaiser but maybe not for you jason here now when you go grocery shopping you can't get down the aisles because there are with your own cart because there are so many of these pickers from instacart and ship oh. and the other things yep. you can't get into the store and it's you know it, it's almost like you gotta have a you gotta have a paintball gun to shoot them out. Well, it's so ignorant. The one I go to, they are so ignorant. They'll park the cart sideways down the aisle, so you just physically yeah. can't fit. Let me, let me tell you. I'm going. Yeah. I don't care about They're your not... bloody online order. I need. I need here. some chicken. Get out the bloody way. You know. I went to the Amazon grocery store that opened up in the town I live. Okay. And, you know, it's a warehouse mix, correct? You know, I mean, they're, they're pulling and, and shipping out, and all right, it's busy. Here's the things that annoyed me about that. And, and I'm just a consumer. I think the most important person in the world. And I don't know if this is a, a plot to get me to call them and have it delivered. Because when I walked in that place, the fixtures were like, I'd had to be seven and a half feet tall. They had stuff that high. And I said to my wife, I wanted to get some muffins. And I'm looking at it. I had to climb up. You know how they have the base of the fixture? I got on the base of the fixture. I still couldn't reach it. So I put one I foot on the next this, shelf the and reached all the way up and got it. It, uh, it annoyed me because I think that they're about eight feet tall, the fixtures in those doors. That, yeah. no, that's bad. That, I mean, that's, that's shoppable space, but for Andre the Giant. And yeah. the other thing that really knocked me out was these kids that are filling these carts, they must be getting paid by the speed they can get those cards because I'm telling you, get the heck out of their way. Get out of their way. I mean, man, they are flying. Yeah, we, 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 it was um, bad. It's, it's not like that anymore. Most people I would say here are actually going to the stores themselves. Uh, Every now and then you do see some, uh, you know, DoorDash or whatever, uh, not DoorDash, but uh, Instacart or whatever. Um, I would say the, the supermarkets here have done a really good job of, uh, online shopping and then you go pick up your order yourself um, we we've gotten so used to it at this point I mean my my wife does um, most of the online ordering um, and you know then we'll go out and pick it up but uh, she said it's so easy because rather than going to the store and wasting that time I'd rather just waste that time here at home <laughs> fill out everything you could save your order you know exactly what you're gonna order next time you go you pick it up and then 
we've just saved so much. Like I said, I have a very young child. So time is of the essence, I think for mm. all of us, right? Time is of the essence. Mm. So I don't know if that's something we'll go back to. Although I will say I went to the supermarket for the first time like a month ago and it was like, I was so happy to be there. And I've never felt that way before, but I just felt so happy to be <laughs> I, at the I, supermarket. I, I'm an I, anomaly. I like to grocery shop. I, I, I do. I want to pick out my own fruits and vegetables. I want to pick absolutely, out my Absolutely. That's the one area that they have not perfected is produce. The, that's like, the they, they will pick whatever think, the hell they get. But also commercially though, it's one of those it's one of those stores where you do get distracted by stuff you weren't intending to buy, oh, which is the difference between profit right. and loss for any retailer. If oh everyone just went and bought what they were intending to buy, retailer be dead. Yeah, you know, no impulse. Can't afford to do that. And yeah. so I completely agree with what George Andrews says, picking fresh fruit, uh, meat and things like that. I don't trust the picker. Now, I have a friend who works in the click and collect of one of the big supermarkets. So I, I, I'm constantly picking her brains on what's going on to get the inside. They do have pick rates. They've got to pick something like 600 things an hour or something stupid. Yeah. The click and collect where you turn up in your car to collect, they used to have a five minute slot for each customer where they get all their stuff on the totes, the big plastic boxes, got out there and put it in. And the number of people that wouldn't select bags in the order don't have bags. So you've got all your fresh fruit rolling around in the boot or the trunk of the car. And then the, and you've got five minutes to do this. And they're shouting and swearing. She's had people close, automatic close the, the trunk lid on her head and things like this. They've just, oh they're just been told Jeez. that it's going up from 12 click and collects an hour to 15. So there's Whoa. just a mad rush. She walks between 18 and 20,000 steps a day <clears> just <throat> doing a seven hour shift. There's, there's a uh, great honestly, show. Honestly, it's unbelievable the I pressure. That there's, and this there's is a, great a sector show. that's had huge profits in the last year because they've cashed in on all the restaurant and bar yeah. stuff being closed. All the retail, all the grocery retailers yeah. are at 5, 10, yeah. 15%. So it's not like they don't have the money and they're squeezing and squeezing and squeezing. It's, it's just crazy. Absolutely. There's a great TV show um, called Superstore. I don't know if you've got in the Love US. It. I don't know. Yeah. Don't they know. nailed this topic, by the way, before coronavirus. They had this topic nailed. It was because it was really the start of we'll shop for you and then you just have to come pick it up. And there and the the best part of it is like people are like lined up in the store and they're like, where is everybody? And they're all out shopping for other people online. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'll get to you in a minute, but I have to complete my order here for someone else outside who hasn't come in the store. It's so funny. You know, the one thing I was impressed though with Amazon is the, the carts. I haven't I did had never seen one of them. I knew they existed. But everything that you put in there, if you're if you're shopping, if I was doing my own shopping, everything I drop in the cart is red, oh, yeah, I, and one. not by me. I mean, I just throw it in, and it like somehow Amazon knows. I'm staring. You're done. You don't even go I, to the. Thing. I'm visiting Amazon Go tomorrow morning. It's the first one in the UK, so I'm looking. I'm looking forward to seeing what the shops like because all I do is read articles awesome. about the technology and i'm going when it first <laughs> launched in the year i was going is this a fashion store a food store no, no one talked about it, people were queuing around the block and i'm going you don't even know what's in their bloody shop it's you know, a early adopters they just you know they get so excited with the technology and i'm going so i want to look at the shop i know i'm going to scan the app nice. and i can pick and walk out that's done i want to know whether it's a decent shopping it experience is. You know? it is here so Rich and I, a couple of years ago, we have some friends that live in in uh, Seattle, and they have a close friend who happens to be a senior vice president at Amazon, 
So he took us on a tour of the domes and um, an Amazon ghost store. And so, ghost store, the first girl, the first yeah, ghost store. One of them. So you have to, you have to have the app on your phone because that's how you shop. So you go in, you pick things up. If you hold it too long, it gets put into your cart. So Kaiser's walking around, you know, put it back. <laughs> anyway, we got it's and it's it's beautifully merchandised, signed really well, easy to shop. So on the way out, I broke it. I broke Amazon Go because I oh. went I went out the in terminal. <laughs> well, you got in trouble too. Attention. There was a green light and a red light. I'm not looking at that. I'm holding my bag up. I'm walking out of the store. We're on we're doing a video to see what you know, let's like to leave and bells and whistles are going off in this cedar i'm so glad there's some consequences to that God. Huh? <laughs> to what she's, she's still on I said, i'm so glad now. there's yeah i'm so glad there's finally some consequences for people who go in the out yeah. you drive me crazy wait until you get into wait wait Ian, until you get into one lane traffic in a busy amazon store We'll, it's something to talk about next time we're together. I can't, I can't wait. I'm, 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 meet, I'm meeting someone at 8.30 tomorrow morning um, in this store in North London, and uh, I'm going to go and buy my lunch uh, in Amazon, and I'll see you later. I, I got in the wrong like way, I, and I'm walking, and I got in the wrong way. The looks I got, oh, geez. Right. Uh, you know, I, I turned around and got out of there. You know, that, that aisle. And that's because you're a rebel, Rich. You always go against the flow. <laughs> yeah. you? you feel like you're shoplifting. Yeah. Kind of do. And, and I think true. that if I shop there all the time, I might get into the headspace of in another store, pick it up, pick up something just and, walk out. and just walk out. <laughs> well, there, there, are, there are lots of um, variants of that coming out. UST have launched a, a version that they've been trialing in uh, some Dutch supermarkets. I think Ahold and, and one of the others have been trying. And inevitably, because I heard it was, you know, like a million pounds a store originally to get the technology in, you know, and, and I'm sure Amazon would have want to leverage that and sell it on to other people. But, you know, it's it's not, it's, the, the return on investment is is not good enough for most people unless the price point shifts, you know. Yeah. Um, look, when yeah. you're in there, look up. Yep, look up, look and, up. And, and look at the technology that you'll see working yeah. and you know just just black my, fixtures but they're not lights you know they're i mean yes. they've got they got I'm, it down I'm, to I'm, I'm looking forward to finally seeing what all the fuss is about the disappointment uh, or, i yeah. had there you're the going disappointment under- i had there was the height of the fixtures um and then the other one was i wanted one of those carts but they didn't yeah. have enough so you know <laughs> so everybody else got them. i said well how long is it going to be well, that was probably in the, 15 to 25 minutes. I screw that on that. Wait. That was in the grocery store, different, different store. You know what? I oh. was, I was underwhelmed. I, it's a, it's a pretty store. And I think it's cool that I can go in and, and take, you know, take things and not have to pay for them and ha- wait through a checkout. But after you experience it once, it's like, okay, next. Yeah. Pretty much <laughs> my, my experience. The only well, thing that, that I'll say that's is my those... challenge is at the moment it's the new technology, but when people get used to that technology, it's got to stand and fall on a retail experience. You know, is it well stocked? Is it easy to navigate? You know, how are you communicating? How are you excited me? Like any other store, you know, there's all focus on the technology, which is valid because it's a huge step forward, but it's like it's still got to work as a shop with products in that people can buy. 
how you pay for it after a while is not a, not a, a factor that, that comes into whether you shop there. It's like, do you sell me the stuff I like for a price I'm prepared to pay, and can I find it? You know, yeah, we'll bring nice. you back. We'll bring you back. Do you have a need to go back to it? Because yeah. you'll be there for the novelty, but then. No, you would because they're all in areas. They're all in areas where if there's people working in offices, they're going to run out and get their lunches. Yes, no, yeah, they're not, they're Ian, not Ian, in London at the moment, and um, they're in high footfall areas. Tell me, uh, Ian. Next time we talk, you got to tell me how it felt because I'm going to give you an assignment. Oh dear. Why don't you? Let me when write you go this down. Let me get pen. <laughs> I'm ready. I'm right, ready. Here's your assignment. I want you. To, we're having a party at your house. And yep. so we're going to have a salad and I make the salad, but I need French or, you know, some, some dressing for the salad. Dressing, okay, yeah, bottle. Yeah. So get a big bottle because we're expecting a lot of people. Can All I claim right? this now on expenses, Rich? Huh? <laughs> can I claim this yes, on expenses? <laughs> Here we go. Here we go. Your job is to get that big bottle. Okay. And now I'm not going to say anything more. I'm just going to ask you, how did it feel when you went, to where that big bottle was. I I'll tell you why. It's eight feet up. <laughs> now, I'm not thinking that that's an inconvenience. What no, I was thinking was this thing that's going to come down on my head, right? We're talking, really held up on this. Rich, yeah. we're, talking, that, we're talking apples and oranges here, dude. You're okay. talking about an experiential grocery store. He's talking about going to Amazon Go where everything is, is within reachable. Right. Yeah. Yeah. This is Amazon Go. So this is uh, that's a cool. We call a convenience store, I suppose. You can you can eat the cookies in the package while you walk through, and yeah. it's and oh, you got you me there. And you can't put the the thing back because the weight is on the you know the weights on the deal. Ah, so that's interesting. It automatically yeah, says oh, it no, no 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 as well out. as cameras, isn't it? You know yeah. what it's like it's like in a hotel room where if you pick up the package of forty dollar peanuts. It's and yours. you don't put them back down in time, you own it. Mm. Which incidentally, and then we're gonna wrap then we're gonna wrap it up. Incidentally, <laughs> um, there's a book called Heads and Beds by a guy named Jacob Tomsky. And if you travel, you need to read this book because one of the things he talks about was in the in the hotel rooms, the you know, you you pick up the mini bars, never have to pay for it. Watching movies. Never have to pay for it. How to get better rooms? It's and it's it's a fun, sarcastic one. You've read it, Jason. Yeah, wonderful, uh, wonderful book for traveling. Heads in beds. Teach you how to steal the liquor. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> well, thank you, George. And by the way, all those oh, that guy's probably going to get in trouble. I didn't write the book. Okay. Wish I. There's some there's some ethical violations uh, that he writes about, but well, told, he, it's he, an he, interesting look at how the hotel industry works from from someone who worked his way up. playing the system, isn't it? Is what he's yeah. saying. Yeah. He's worked, he worked his way up from says. a valet to you know. Front you can you can take a no, he's in a band. Uh, you was... can take a potato chip bag. You can carefully open it on the bottom, pour the chips out, eat them, and then take the iron. And iron the seam on the bottom of the bag, put it back in. Looks like it's full. They never catch it. If, if you're Wait, willing if you to go to that effort, then you deserve to get a, a bag of chips free, for yeah. free. Okay. My God. Jacob doesn't talk about that, Kaiser. So you are on to a different <laughs> level of messed upness. He's a ninja black belt in this, isn't he? Obviously. Yeah, yeah, he's traveled the world help. most. Yeah, but I get free chips. He needs some serious help.
<laughs> All right, Jason. We are we are running a little bit long here, so let's. We're so excited that you're back. Let's. let's hey, I'm excited yeah. to be here. I haven't done yeah. this in a while. The wrap up. So, uh, Ian, Jeremy, it was so great to have you guys on. As usual, I mean, at this point, we're we're family. Uh, all of us, uh, Rich and George. I mean, we were already family. So it, it's been great to to spend the past hour plus chatting with you guys and uh, looking forward to doing these some more. So uh, and thank you for listening. We like we like I always say we would do this regardless of if you were listening or not. So <laughs> I'm glad that you were able to listen into what we're you know, what, we're just having fun. So uh, tune in That's next true. time. We're everywhere podcasts can be found, and uh, I believe we're posting this one to YouTube, uh, possibly. We- we will post it to Vimeo. We'll post Vimeo. it to YouTube. You can find it on all of our social medias and on Apple and Google Play and all those other thousands of places, Jason, that you normally miss. <laughs> can I just quickly it, add it, as well, since we did our last recording, George, Ann and Rich were voted um, to the top 100. Oh, yeah. Top 100. Yeah. So oh, thank yeah. That's right. Awesome. Congratulations. Congratulations. That, that was right. awesome to see you guys make that. That's a, great. Worth it. Yes. I think we've been on there since like 200, 200, 2014, which is pretty exciting. Awesome. Oh, I think I, I predict that next year, Jeremy C. and Ian Scott will be on there too. No, no, saying, oh, I'll, well, I'll I'm, be... I'm saving up my bribe That's right now. That's my prediction. <laughs> I'm, I'm already on the top 10,000, so no problem. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not on anything. I'm just, I just feel privileged to be able to talk to all of you. <laughs> well, thank you for listening. And uh, like Georgian said, we're everywhere. So find us wherever. And uh, we will talk to you next time. Uh, Kaiserbender.com, retailadventuresblog.com. Anyone else want to plug? All right. <laughs> the Retails Podcast. I've, I've started doing a podcast with a senior uh, Nike exec called uh, Toby Barnes called Re hyphen tails so that's mine and jeremy what's yours called you do one regular one as well don't you no 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 i i i have a youtube channel but i've not been visiting stores so i've been had any new um videos to upload so it's it's kind of like you know in limbo right now yeah well we look forward to when you are and then yeah ian what was that what was that retails re hyphen T-A-L-E-S. Hell yes. Tales as in okay. story, yeah. Retail. I just yes. wanted to make sure Not I Not my idea. I'd love to claim that. There's a lovely guy called Paul <laughs> Dawes who came up with the idea for the name. All right. Thank you again, everyone. We'll see you on the next episode of the Retail Adventures Podcast. Take care, guys. Bye. Bye. So long. Bye.